John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve, and good morning, Central. Here we are, and if you're joining us this morning, you're not quite sure who I am. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here at Central. And I have the great privilege of serving in our youth ministries. Uh, So we work with teenagers in grades 7 to 12. Uh, But I also get to partner with our community group leaders to see our people, our family here at Central discipled well. And so quick plug, I know I'm going to take a moment. If you're watching here this morning and you're a teenager in grades 7 to 12, Or if you've been watching online for a while and you're interested in getting plugged into your community group, please send me an email, josh at centralbaptistchurch.ca, or you can head to our website and find us there. That's it. No more plugs, I promise. Uh, But I have the great privilege as well this morning to be delivering God's word. And so I'm going to start with what could be bad news, depending on who you are. But for me, it's good news. And it's this. I might get in trouble, Melody Taves, if you're you're watching. Summer is over, and fall is here. I know, I heard the boos, they're very loud, but here's the thing, last week, I had my first pumpkin spice latte, and that was it. Fall is here, summer is done, I'm sorry friends, flannel is back, right? (laughs) We're back in season. I know, depending on who you are, that might be good or bad news, Uh, but... Whether we like that or not, unfortunately, summer is coming to an end. And traditionally, my family during the summer likes to do some traveling. And so we have family kind of scattered throughout the province, and we like to do road trips and visit family along the way. And one of our favorite spots to go visit is a small town, just up island, you take one ferry, it's called Powell River. It's beautiful, make a trip if you have the time, highly recommend. And so my parents are there, and what we try to do, doesn't always go well, is we try to pass off the kids to my parents, and my wife and I try to go relax by the pool, get some much-needed rest, take an extra nap here and there. But when we do go to Powell River, I try to be a good friend, and I'm very intentional about trying to text some of my friends that still live in Powell River. We get together, we grab coffee, we just chat about life, catch up. 
And so the last time we went for a visit, it's all kind of happened. I'm texting my friend, and we're getting ready to go out for coffee. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you get together with old friends, do you ever just kind of reminisce, chat about life, catch up on old stories? So that's what we're doing. Sitting across the table, we're having coffee, and he just starts telling these stories of high school. I know, it's a long time ago. And maybe this is a small town thing, I don't know. But we used to get together, a bunch of us, in our old beater cars. I had my 89 Ford Mustang, drove like a dream. And so we'd all get in our cars, we had ends, so it'd just be us, no passengers allowed. And we would just drive across town. Took about 20 minutes, 25 if you hit the one stoplight. But we'd load up the cars with Red Bull, good music, passenger seats, got lots of beef jerky. It's not a convoy if you don't have beef jerky. Or we're starting to tell stories about, I don't know why or how my parents let me do this, but we used to have rock concerts in the basement. Ear-piercingly loud music, drums, guitar, bass, all of it late at night. Who were my parents? I thank you for them. And then he starts talking about university. And we stayed up late writing papers, or sometimes we just stay up all night trying to get it in last minute. We had lots of barbecues. These are just really good memories and a great time in our life. But as we're kind of having coffee and telling these stories, uh, I could really see that my friend was getting excited. And I mean, good reason. It was a fun time. But he's getting just excited, amped up. And I had to take a moment, and I took a step back. And this was over 10 years ago. Like, this was a long time ago. But what it really seemed to be for my friend is that he hadn't moved on that these years were really the best in his life, and he was afraid for what came afterwards. That this time was very familiar for him. And he was afraid of stepping into that next season, the unfamiliar, because he didn't know. But this isn't unusual for us, right? I mean, I loved high school. It was some of the best years. I loved my time at university. And as much as taking that next step scared me, I had to do it. Yes, my my rhythms were familiar. I'd kind of figured out the day-to-day routine. Who would want to step in to an unfamiliar season? And so what I want to show us in our text today is that this is not uncommon. That it is our default, like Mary's from the text, That when life becomes unfamiliar, we tend to take a step back and we recluse into our familiar rhythms. But I want to show us that because of Jesus' accomplished work on the cross, we can go into unfamiliar seasons, unfamiliar decisions, trusting in his provision and his power. And so we're going to look at three things today. The first is the familiar call. The familiar call in our life that if you are a believer, we slip into something we call the familiar call. That Jesus calls us to something more. Now, I just want to take a moment, and this portion is just going to be for those who believe in Jesus, those who love Jesus and call him Lord. And if that's not you here this morning, I want you to know that there is a God who loves you, that there is a God who sent his son to die for you, to repay the debt that we never could. 
And so if you'd like to hear more about that, please send us an email. Please reach out. And so that's the first thing, the familiar call. The second is that our immediate response when things get unfamiliar is that we default into familiar patterns, familiar rhythms. And the third is that with Jesus, we can press in to this unfamiliar reality. So let's jump into it. The familiar call. Now we're going to kind of unpack this text a little bit. And so our passage opens today with Mary standing outside of Jesus' tomb. If we were to maybe jump a few verses earlier, we would see that it was Mary and the disciples who came to Jesus' tomb to find it empty. The disciples then leave, and it's Mary who stays, and she continues to mourn outside the tomb. Shortly after, she sees the two angels who ask her a question. Why are you crying? And I believe that Mary's response says it all, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But in verse 13, you can look at me with me. She says, they have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, Mary, just some background. This is a woman who has followed Jesus for years. She has witnessed miracles. She was miraculously healed herself. She listened to the teachings of Jesus about his kingdom and even what he taught about himself. And in this moment, she shows her doubt. Now, don't get me wrong. As much as if I put myself in Mary's shoes and I could have walked with Jesus day after day and witnessed these things, for him to talk about and teach of the resurrection, I don't know if my mind could have really grasped it. That she would die and that she would rise again. And so I think we have to give Mary some credit here. Then, this man that we know is Jesus from the text, but Mary mistakes as the gardener, comes to her and asks the same question. Why are you weeping? Who is it that you are seeking? And again, she asks where the body is laid. Now, as I was digging through some commentaries, I found this quote that I think captures this moment perfectly. And it says, Mary had experienced deep trauma. Her eyes had filled with tears. It was still dark. She was very confused. But perhaps most important, she had not considered the resurrection a possibility. So the idea that she might be talking to a living Christ never occurred to her. She was looking for a body, but she did not expect a resurrection. Again, as much as I'm sure she could have listened to Jesus talk about the resurrection, I don't think in her heart she really understood. And then in this moment, Jesus turns to her and says, Mary. He calls her by name, and I believe that it's in this moment, almost like a flood, everything comes rushing back. The memories the stories, the emotions, the life on life that she lived with Jesus. Mary recognizes the familiar call of Jesus, and she immediately responds. Maybe you're familiar with your Bible, and this kind of sounds like John chapter 10, where Jesus says, his sheep will know his voice. Mary remembered in this moment when Jesus first called her, first healed her, and set her purpose in motion. 
And I'm sure many of you watching can remember that moment where Jesus first called you the joy that you had, the excitement that you had to be on fire to build God's kingdom. And so like Mary, we also fail to recognize Jesus in our life. Whether that's through doubt, through difficulty, suffering, or any number of reasons, I want to encourage you to know that Jesus has a way of calling us once again. And like sheep, the sheep recognize the voice of our shepherd. And so that is the familiar call. Now the familiar life. Up until now, Mary has recognized the familiar call of Jesus in her life and responds like I'm sure any of us would if we have seen a risen friend. She falls down in awe and amazement, and because it's Jesus, our Lord, she falls down in worship. Jesus is here. What good and glorious news. Okay, Jesus, now we can go back to regular life, right? Our familiar life we had before. We're going to get the disciples. We're going to continue to travel. We're going to heal. We're going to teach. We're going to do all these things. But wait. Look at what Jesus says next. Do not cling to me. Hold on, Jesus. You're back, right? We all saw you be put on a cross. We saw you be put in the tomb. And now you're back. And so, Jesus, I want life to go back to the familiar it was before. find this quote sums up, I believe, what Mary is thinking. And it says, Mary is trying to hold on to the joy she now discovers in her resurrected Lord. She is thinking that the resurrection of Jesus is Jesus' resumption of normal relations with his disciples. In telling her not to hold on, Jesus is saying that his permanent return and presence must come in another form. Jesus' correction is a spiritual redirection away from his physical presence, a preparation for the spirit that is about to be given. I feel like we forget that. Jesus sees the big picture, but we are so caught in our familiar moments that we say, Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be here. I want you to be right now. But Jesus sees the big picture. He knew that he had to go for the Spirit to come. Many of you may not know the story of how my wife and I kind of met and how we got to here today. It's a long story, so I'm going to try and give you just a little snippet. But naturally, as a youth pastor and my wife working up at Camp Quanos in the Kaleo program, it's only a matter of time before, you know, you did the eye dance from across the table. Those of you who go to camp, you, you know what I'm talking about. Dining hall, I see you. Should we talk about dating? <laughs> so we did. We had the dating talk. And during our dating months, we had lots of those difficult, tough decisions on whether marriage was for us. And we always let our love for Jesus and for one another guide them. And so we married fairly quickly, and then five months after we were married, we actually conceived our first. 
And so we went from dating to marriage to pregnant within one year. That's fast, I know. It's not a competition. Youth, pay attention. <laughs> Our daughter was born at 34 weeks. She was six weeks early. Uh, she was born at three pounds, and there were lots of complications with her, uh, with my wife, and with the pregnancy, and she was whisked away to the NICU. It was unfamiliar. Now, that is a story for another day, but we didn't know what to do. First-time parents, first baby in the NICU, you see needles, you see tubes, you have no idea what's going on. But praise God for his work in our daughter's life, because if you saw her today, you would never know that she was a preemie. Over time, I had noticed some changes in my wife. And kind of all the warning signs of postpartum depression were there, but perhaps we were just too naive to really think it could happen to us. I think we get into that mode. We, we talk ourselves up and we go, nope, not us. Or even sometimes we say, well, we follow Jesus, so that kind of stuff doesn't happen to us. How wrong we are to think that. Eventually, my wife made the decision to seek out some counseling. And what they began to unpack was that there was a part of my wife's life that she was grieving. And sure, there were parts of adventure and spontaneity, but I believe more than that, she, she missed being in ministry. She missed being used by God in her specific role to form the faith of adolescence. And so perhaps she wasn't quite ready to accept that God had something new for her that God had a new call in her life to shepherd our daughter. It was unfamiliar. It stretched all of us beyond what we could have expected. And so today, it has taken a long time, and she continues to wrestle with this within herself, as I am sure Mary did, to let go of the familiar life that she thought she was going to have and to really embrace and step into this unfamiliar reality that Jesus was sending her into. And so I don't know what this looks like for you. Perhaps you're recently retired and you're not quite sure what this next season brings. You don't know what it looks like to not work. Or maybe you're one of our recent graduates and you're going to step off into a university and it's already looking completely different than what it usually does and you don't know what to expect. Or maybe you've been thinking about leaving your job to start a new business. Or you want to do something that you are more passionate about. Please, friends, I want to encourage you that whatever this looks like for you, don't let the familiar stop you from seeking God's direction simply because it is unfamiliar. Now, with all of this, there's always good news. With Jesus, there's always good news. And so we talk about the unfamiliar reality. Until now, Mary has recognized the risen Jesus. She's been told not to cling to this familiar life that she expected. And now she is being sent into what we will say is the precursor for the Great Commission. Look with me in verse 17. In the second part, Jesus says that, I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus has finished his work 
on the cross and he's about to ascend to the Father and yet he affirms that there has been a change. That there has been a great change in the relationship. He says, to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Please listen here today. Death has been defeated. Sin no longer separates us from God and we can now approach the heavenly throne of our God, of our Father. Hallelujah. And so now Jesus is giving Mary a job to do. She is to go to the disciples without him and announce the resurrection, which sounds very familiar like Matthew chapter 28, something we call the Great Commission. That as followers of Jesus, we have been sent out to make disciples to announce the resurrection of Jesus to this world. It was unfamiliar. Yes, Mary traveled for years with Jesus. She watched him do amazing things, taught of things that no one else had before. And now, Jesus, you want me to go without you? Jesus, I really thought that we were going to be together, that you were going to come back, that we were going to continue your mission with your physical presence. Unfortunately, for Mary and the disciples, this was not the case. Jesus knew that there was going to be the sending of his spirit to aid all believers in building his kingdom. And so what does this mean for us today? Perhaps you were like me, you know, six, seven months ago when COVID kind of all hit. We're sitting there in March and lockdown and we go, it'll be over soon. We'll just, we got to get to summer, stay in our homes. As soon as summer comes out, we'll be basking in the sun. It'll be great. And then summer hit and things are still not normal. I know Eric and I sat down as a leadership team and we said, it's okay, September's coming, the fall. We're gonna be able to do regular youth group. We're gonna pack this building full of kids. We're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna have more small groups. Our community groups, they're gonna go back to meeting in homes again. I know, we're all done with this Zoom. We wanna share a meal together. But friends, we're here. This is September long weekend. Summer is coming to an end. And I know that it can be easy for us to cling to these pre-COVID thoughts, the familiar feelings and wish for a normal fall. But the reality is, is we are far from it. I know that it can be easy for our emotions, our feelings to kind of stop us from seeing what God is doing and calling us to do today. When Mary recognized Jesus and received the mission to go and tell the disciples. Now track with me, I know we can't be completely sure from the text, so let's extrapolate a little bit. It is likely that because of her relationship with Jesus and the familiar life that she knew with him, she went with no hesitation. She remembered Jesus' faithfulness, his character, his identity, the things that he said about himself, and it was because of that that she could go into the unfamiliar season with confidence. And likewise for us. This is why we love diving into God's word, because it's in this book that we come to know and understand who God really is. And because of that, we know that God is faithful. 
we know that there is nothing that can stop God's kingdom from being built. And so, friends, we can go into this season with confidence, trusting that God, through his spirit, is at work in us and through us across this nation and across this world. As we head into this season, I don't quite know what it looks like for each of you. But I want to encourage us here today not to waste it. To know that God is using you, has placed you in specific places and moments to be used for his glory and to bring about his purpose and his kingdom. And so I want to leave us with a quote from John Tyson, who is a pastor in New York. And after reading this, it just convicted me to know that we need to do something. We can't just sit back. We can't just be passive. And so he says this, the normal the church is longing for just isn't coming back. We keep seeking the old normal rather than asking what does God want us to do in this season. When our grandchildren ask us, what did you do in the coronavirus? And all we can tell them is a list of shows we watched on Netflix. That's not our best story. Let us not fall into familiar patterns that distract us from God's work in this season. That we are privileged as his body, as his church, to partner with him in bringing about his kingdom goodness. Let's trust in him to prepare us, to lead us, to guide us into this unfamiliar time. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you that you have placed a specific call on all of us. That God, you are calling us to something more than perhaps we can even think of or imagine. And so, Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to show us, to empower us, to guide us along the path, God, that you are calling us to. And God, this is a season that nobody has experienced before. And so we just fall on our knees in awe and worship of who you are. And we ask you to do a great work in our homes, in our city, in our schools, and across the world. That we would see more people come to know who you are in this season. That we would see more people discipled in this season because of our obedience to you. And so God, we ask that you would go before us, that you would prepare the way for us to walk and that we would walk it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've done for us, for how you have defeated sin and death on the cross. God, may our lives just be in worship of who you are. We pray all these things in your great name. Amen.